The Lord be with you. Welcome to Thin Places, the podcast channel of St. Aidan's Anglican Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. I'm Father Lee, the pastor here at St. Aidan's, and I want to invite you to join me here each week as we join together to share common prayer, common worship, and common life. And just as the streams feed the trees on their banks till they pour in the seas, so may my life be to all those who share this wilderness road. All right, so this week we are going to be discussing chapter 6, which is the fivefold giftings. So I went ahead and wrote the fivefold giftings up on the uh, up on the whiteboard so that we have them for quick reference. Uh, and he's drawing these from um, from uh, Paul's writings, where Paul says that that we are given the apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. So he talks about these in terms of leadership, but the way that he talks about leadership is, I think, probably for a lot of us, a different way of thinking about how leadership functions in the context of the local church than, than most of us have encountered in the past. So we'll go ahead and start by listening to, to David Fitch as he explains what, what he's talking about and what to expect. A lot of us have read various authors on APEST, Fivefold Gifting, Ephesians chapter 4, Apostle, Prophet, Evangelist, Pastor, Teacher. Um, I think going beyond just describing those roles and how Paul says this is the, these gifts are established for the equipping of the saints. So I think in every community, in every neighborhood, it starts with a group of leaders. In 1 Corinthians 12, it's apostle, prophet, teacher, then the rest of the gifts. First apostles, prophets. And, and so there's these first gifts that kind of set into motion the authority and reign of Christ and the leadership in every community. I really don't care if you're like 12 people or you're 200 people, or even if you're large. It starts with a college of leaders, not one, at least three, not five. And it's a mutuality thing. There's never one calling the shots. It's mutually submitted to one another, our gifts together. We lead this community. That changes the dynamic of a community. It's not just my vision as senior pastor of this church. It's our vision that we are discerning together and we need all the gifts to discern. We need multiple gifts to discern. I think J.R. Woodward calls it polycentric leadership. But then, this is... So, so it's the idea of mutual discernment. But it's still leadership. So if I'm in a meeting with all our leaders and there's uh, the pastor saying, you know, I'm a pastor and I... I'm ministering to and the, the hurt and the pain of this part of our community and in this part of our neighborhood. And we need to reach out 
minister there and there's five moms that are in violence in their domestic relationships and I feel like we have the opportunity to maybe send someone there to talk to them about their relationships etc. I'm making this up actually but then I'll say to her Pastor, you have a proposal okay because even though we're mutual we still gotta have leadership do you have a proposal? what's your proposal? lead here oh I suggest we do this and this and this and we allocate this amount of money and we, we, have, we send this person over there and I will go with them and we will set up tables and we'll be with them in the neighborhood for the next 10 weeks to just listen and hear about the issues of domestic violence in our neighborhood. And, and then someone will say, well, if you, if, you know, uh, let's talk to the teacher in the midst. You know, if, if, if money becomes an issue and we force money down people's, this will be a, a, a problem because of the Christian doctrine of stewardship. I'm just making this up. This is actually turning into somewhat a silly example right now. But um, the point is, we will listen to all the leaders and what they have to say, and we'll say, yes, but we need to do this, or we don't need to do this, and we need to do this, and out of this comes a joint, and we're behind you, and we're going to gain, engage this. Furthermore, we can learn more about that, about our own marriages in our own communities, and maybe we ought to have something similar in our own close circle relationships. Fivefold ministry does that kind of thing. And it, if you have leadership that just is top down, one person with a set of people underneath that person, leadership goes like this, it never goes out. In fact, all activity goes in and up. Do you want to do this thing in the neighborhood? We better talk to the big cheese at top. So we go up and up and he says, ah, that doesn't fit our mission statement, blah, 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 blah. On the other hand, if leadership is out and dispersed, then we don't have to always ask, ask for approval. It takes shape in the neighborhoods with each set of fivefold gifting and they look for support and affirmation here. And since it's not one person, each set is discerned with the wisdom of the community. I think that's very important for the way mission takes shape. And when we gather together, when we mutually submit, Ephesians says the fullness of Christ takes shape. This is the fullness of His presence here. This isn't ego. This isn't agenda-driven, personal, how I feel about it. This is the fullness of Christ takes shape in the neighborhood. I think leadership like that transforms the world. So in this chapter, he talks about the, the five giftings. He calls them the five-fold giftings that Paul outlines in Hebrews. And he talks about them in, in a particular way. He says that these giftings are given to the church for the equipping of the body of Christ. He puts a lot of emphasis on, on that reality, that the gifts are there not for the... Uh, the, the ordering of the church and not for the, the preservation of the church, but they're there for the equipping of the church. The purpose of those gifts that the Holy Spirit brings are in order to equip the whole church with the gospel, to equip them to engage the gospel in all of those three circles that we've been talking about. And those gifts are the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, uh, the pastors, and the teachers. And he explains fairly quickly and briefly in, in our book about what each one of those things means. But <clears throat> probably in our background, we have 
had some experience with with the way that those giftings work themselves out in in the the various communities that we have been a part of. Um, so the way that he describes it here is that the 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 role of or the 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 purpose of the apostolic gift is in order to start new things. That that's what the apostles do. The apostles are people who start new things. They 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 gather people together. They they initiate some kind of new activity. Um, they're there. He calls them pioneers. They're kingdom pioneers. They're going into new places. They're beginning new things. Um, whereas the the prophets are the ones that their job is to tell truth to the people of God and to bear witness to God's kingdom to and against the kingdom of the world. So they, they, they tell the truth to us, and they tell the truth to the community that we, um, that we live in. They, they are inviting us continually into a more faithful practice of, of uh, living in God's kingdom. The evangelists are the ones who bring the good news. They, their, their entire purpose is to proclaim the good news of Jesus, to share that good news. And it can happen in various ways. It doesn't just have to be uh, you know, what we would think of as, as an evangelist who goes out and, and does a sermon. But there are lots of ways that, that, that the gift of evangelism can, uh, can take shape in our lives and in our hearts and our experience. But it has to do with, with that bearing witness to the gospel. Like seeing the gospel and naming the gospel and inviting people into a participation with that reality. It's that invitation into God's good news. And the pastors have this role of being a gardener. He, he uses that word, gardening people's souls. The, the, the role of the pastor is to tend to people and to care for people and to engage in that healing work of ministry. All of those are, are extensions of the, the pastoral gifting. And then the teacher is, is somebody who is illuminating the truth, somebody who is gifted in communicating the, the lessons of Scripture, in communicating to people the, um, the work that is being done by the Spirit. Um, they, they, they help people to see the places that God is at work in their lives and then invite them into an interaction there. So what he says is that all of those five-fold giftings have to be present for a church to be healthy because they all sort of interlock and interlace. They're, they're constantly building on each other, and there's not one gifting that's more important than another gifting, that all of these giftings have to be in place for the body of Christ to be doing what the body of Christ is supposed to do. Um, <clears throat> so, but it, and so it doesn't happen in a hierarchical way. where there, what he, he describes as that like top-down model or, the, or, or almost the bottom-up model where everything is, is filtered through one particular lens, through one particular vision. Because if we're being honest, the last decade has not been a good decade for Christian leaders, especially for Christian leaders in evangelical circles. It has not been a good uh, a, a good decade. You know, once upon a time we thought, you know, well, this is just an issue for televangelists and and a handful of corrupt Catholic priests. Um, and the truth of the matter is that we've seen people fall from grace, not just because of sexual immorality. Not just because of financial misdealings, but they've been they've they've been falling apart because they've they've been revealed as people who are using the authority that's been given to them by a community to hurt people. Um, 
you know, and there are some churches on on the West Coast that that, that was you know a, a, a big deal with, uh, but it, but it has happened in other places. It's always been that way. We just have better ways of tracking people now. Or we have, or or it's more public, and and it's easier for people to call them out on that. It could be, but I I think that that in some ways the the way that those churches were structured, they were structured in a way that that gave immunity to the people who were in authority. They they structured the community in a way where they had a kind of power and control over the 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 lives and oftentimes like the personalities of the people who were under them. Um, and they would think about it in those terms. It was always about submission, but it was a toxic kind of submission where it was, you know, you're going to do the things that I tell you to do, and I don't have any accountability to you or to anybody else. And we've just seen that over and over again. And sometimes it, it leads to financial things, and sometimes it leads to, uh, you know, to, to sexual failings. But a lot of times it just leads to uh, communities that are full of people who are being emotionally and spiritually and psychologically abused. Um, and so what Fitch is suggesting for us is what if we thought about leadership in Christian circles in a way that wasn't from the top down, but rather was a place where we looked for individual giftings in people and we invited them into a place where they could bring those giftings out a place where they could lead and live into those particular giftings in a way that made sense in their own context. And it's kind of a hard thing to imagine, probably, for some of us. It is. To imagine a church where you have leadership, but it's, it's, a, it, it's a, a completely mutual leadership team, and they're, they're, they're all constantly, consistently... Uh, you know, we're, we're used to having one person, and one person does this job, and that person, uh, you know, that, that, that's just the way that we're structured. And especially as Anglicans, we, we carry that structure over from, from, the, from the Roman church um, and, and into the, the modern day. So <clears throat> my question for us is, how do you see that way of sharing in our giftings? working in a local context. Like if we take his ideas and we apply them to our own context, like what would that look like for us to engage in that here at St. Aidan's? Or maybe we maybe maybe we need to like ease into that. That's a little too personal, right? Maybe we want to just, you know, stay at like a an, an intellectual level for a few minutes. I'm still gonna make it personal, but but you know, maybe we need to take a step back. But like what would that look like in in the context of a local church? I know what it looks like in his context, but I don't think that every church is going to look like, you know, his his church in in Wisconsin. Uh, it, that's that that doesn't make sense. So, what would that look like contextualized in a different environment? Anarchy. Just kidding. <laughs> Anarchy. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> is still too abstract? Yeah. <laughs> How do you think it would be helpful for a local congregation to see and employ giftings like this? How could that help a local congregation? I have PTSD from that growing up. United Methodist Church. Hmm? All those spiritual gift tests we had to take. And... Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
I don't think he mentioned them in the short book. He talked about those in the longer book that he and his pastoral team do those gifting testings like every five or six months. Um, but he said, he said, you know, they're, they're, they're not intended to be like, we, we don't take them as though this is something that's absolutely true. It's just we evaluate our own giftings multiple times throughout the year as a as a pastoral team we say okay well where does it seem like i'm i'm i'm, I'm leaning more on on these gifts and these talents well then how can we equip you and send you into in, into doing those things and, and that that changes periodically for people who are uh who are part of that that leadership team that they have i think that's been one of the dangers is in the teaching of gifting sometimes is mm-hmm. i have this gift and that's what I do. Right. And I can't do this because I don't have it. But to have that flexibility, mm-hmm. I think that sounds good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because sometimes it's like, well, no, my, my job is, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm an encourager and that's yeah. it. I, 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 don't, I, I can't be... I don't share the gospel. Right, I don't share the gospel. I'm like, yeah. well, no. <laughs> Encouraging is sharing the gospel. What if we expanded what we mean yeah. by that? Yeah. Yeah, there is a danger in those in, in those inventories that we can end up like pigeonholing ourselves. Um, you know, just like with a personality exam or, or any of those things. Uh, you know, the what, what's the new one that everybody does? The enneagrams. Yeah, the enneagrams. Like, well, this is how I relate to the world. Like, well, maybe, but you know, they they, they also are kind of you know. A lot of times they read kind of like a, a, a horoscope where it's, you know, it's like as long as you have vague enough definitions, you can fit anybody into any of those nine points. And, you know, and spiritual gift inventories can be kind of the same way, you know, especially if you, you know, grew up in the church, you kind of know how to answer the questions. You're like, well, this is where I want to score. So I'm going to, you know, put all of my points in that so that, you know, I'm not evangelist. I'm, a, a, you know, I'm, I'm a teacher or I'm, I'm a, a, you know. We had this guy come to our kingdom, church, and world. Well, we were talking about spiritual gifts. It was like the so they got they brought this uh, missionary in, and he was Oops. given a he was he was a, he, he like scandalized. Half the teacher was getting angry, and the half the class were because he said, "I don't believe in spiritual gifts, and I don't believe in callings. I believe that I saw something that they do, and so I did it." Huh? And I was like, "Oh, it like blew my mind." I was like, "I want to mm-hmm. thank you." <laughs> it's like I feel like. I saw something they did, and so I did it. So that—that that is what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. In the Anglican Church, we are not good about talking about ordination in this way. But traditionally, in in Anglican churches, and more broadly in in the Catholic Church, we don't talk about somebody being ordained because God called them to that. We talk about somebody being ordained because the church calls them to do that. Mm-hmm. That the local church calls you and says, we see you at work in these giftings, and we see God's grace at work in your life, and we're calling you into a position of leadership. And to my mind, at least when I think about it in that way, I can, I can start to picture how this model that, that Fitch is laying out would work in, maybe not in a diocese. I, I don't know. I don't work at that diocese level. I work at a local level. I'm, I'm a priest in a local congregation. I've got a dozen families that I, I, I pastor. And that's, that, that's what I do. So I could see this model working in my context. And maybe it would trickle up. I don't know. That, you know things usually don't, but maybe it would. <laughs> but that's not really my, my goal. My goal is for, is for us as a community at St. Aidan's to say, what is God doing? How can we join him in that? And 
And this model that he presents is different, I think, than the model that, that oftentimes we approach leadership in the church with. But I can see where it is a healthy corrective to some of the, some of the issues that can show up in, in congregations where you have a very hierarchical, top-down leadership. Do you guys feel like at St. Aidan's, the leadership is, is top-down? Open to like, <coughs> share leadership, but even still, I I think of Lee as the authority here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I don't know if that's an answer, but I did. Yeah, I think that there's a, a lot of room for opinions and discussion and mm-hmm. everything. But I do think that there is structure to it. There's you know, you, yeah. and there's the vestry, and right. there's different, there's the deacons, and there's different mm-hmm. you know, structure to it, and people that have the final I feel I can say trust over things. Yeah, you and Jesse and Jenny. Like, I don't need to think sometimes, because I trust your opinion. I'm like, oh, okay, well, yeah, that's probably the right way to do things, so. Well, and, like, reading the book, it sounded to me like, like, even in the description that he had in the video, like, obviously... They're a group of people and everybody shares their idea, but eventually, you know, it, it, it's going to be a mutual thing, but like some, somebody's opinion is going to be, is going to be, no, I don't think that, I think that, you know, you're too cautious or I think you're, you're, you're moving a little bit too fast. Like eventually the group together is going to come to a consensus and say, this is, this, this is, you know, this seemed best to us. Uh, this seemed like what the Holy Spirit was leading us into. And, like, eventually, like, they have to make a decision. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it, it didn't sound in in the chapter that I re- I read both of them today because I wanted to make sure. The, the last time that I read it, I was like, oh, I don't really know if this applies, you know. Because some of this stuff, he's, he's free church. Very, mm-hmm. very free church. And so some of the things don't apply in a direct way to an Anglican context, which is fine. But, and so part of me was like, well, I don't know that this chapter is all that helpful. But as, as I was reading it again, I, I, there, there were a lot of pieces to it where I said, no, I think that we could do that more. I think we tried to do some of that right before the pandemic hit. Like I had in 20, 2018, 2019, we, I started putting a pastoral team together and and that was made up of all of the people that were kind of overseeing the various ministries that the church was doing they said let's all get together once a month and sit down and just hash out what is going on and it was separate from the vestry because the vestry is in charge of maintaining the building and maintaining the budget and all that and that's good but we also need people who are you know who, who are doing the you know we're leading the ministry we're doing children's church we're doing you know worship we're doing uh, you know aesthetics all of those people you know we're, we're putting all of the hospitality things together like I wanted those people to have input that wasn't that wasn't bounded by the conversation about budget <clears throat> um, and I think we just got out of that habit because everything was shut down and it was kind of just me and Jesse and, and Jenny, and we were kind of just talking about, well, what's going to work right now, what's not going to work, and, you know, we're going to get there at some point. Um, so I think that's probably 
one thing that would be would, would be worth revisiting. I like that. Uh huh. Well, <laughs> there was a time where um, we kind of had this model. I don't know of where if you if you have a like we did a we did a prayer walk. Remember? Mm -hmm. And and we, we then we gathered together and we were like, what did the, you know? What did the Lord say to you during this time? Mm -hmm. And, and so there's a lot of things that came up. And then those things were kind of like, if you continue to feel led in those ways, we are going to encourage you to follow through and mm -hmm. act upon them in some ministry sort of mm -hmm. way. Do you, know what I'm talk Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. No, but yeah. <laughs> I remember that. But. Yeah. Like, in other words... I think there is a freedom, I guess, here where mm -hmm. if Jessica has something that's n like not a crazy okay. harebrained idea, that most of us will be like, yeah, we will support you in doing this thing. Mm -hmm. So in some ways I feel like because we're Anglican and we're, we are structured in the way that we are mm -hmm. from a diocesan standpoint, mm -hmm. we can't really do this. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, I think that there is enough openness in our congregation where we kind of already do do it mm -hmm. just without like strict definitions of those words mm -hmm. do you know what I mean yeah he, he mentions the Anglican church and then there's Saint Aiden yeah Anglican church yes <laughs> well and, and here's, here's the like big picture thing about that when when we started St. Aidan's, it wasn't based on a traditional parish model. It was based on a traditional monastic model. And so the idea was, we're committing to a way of being Christian together in a community. And so we, at the very beginning, we talked about this is going to be our rule of life. And we, we used very monastic language. And we've moved away from that because some of that language is hard for people to wrap their heads around. Um, you know, some churches will call it a covenant or, or uh, what did we call it? We called it the charter. Um, yeah, but it was it was essentially that it was saying these are the values that we hold and these are the the practices that we're going to engage in together as a community and so that model it, it's not it, it's not the way that traditional Anglican parishes function it's it, it's more of a monastic model and if we're operating that monastic way there's there's one person in a monastery who functions as the father but but he's a father in the midst of brothers and sisters. So it's all, there's, there's both hierarchy and mutuality. And I think that that's healthy. Otherwise, I wouldn't be Anglican. I think that hierarchy is healthy. Mm -hmm. um, only because I came out of a free church background and, and I saw, you know, really awful things happen in multiple places. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, not just in one place, but in multiple places from congregational backgrounds, um, and, and non-denominational backgrounds, just, yeah, I saw a lot of bad things happen. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's not to say that they don't happen in Anglican churches, but in Anglican churches there is, um, there's structure, and there's, there's, a, there, there's a sense of, a sense of mutual submission um, that you don't, I didn't see that in other churches that I was a part of growing up. Um, or even when I was in my college years, that I, I didn't have a sense in those churches that, that the the pastors met together in the way that 
um, you know, the, that I've met together with my pastoral team here at the church or when I was on the pastoral team at another Anglican church. Those kind of meetings where we sat down and we said, well, this is, this is what makes sense to me. And then we talked about it and then we prayed together and we said, this is what I'm sensing. And we, we kind of processed through those issues. And that just wasn't my experience in, in other places. Um, I feel like that accountability... Um, and, you know, he uses that word mutuality, which I think is helpful, but it may be helpful just for us because we all read the book together. <laughs> I don't know if that's a, like a useful word to talk about with, with, you know, the congregation that hasn't, that hasn't, uh, read this one yet. But I'm just thinking in, in those terms that my experience is that in places where there's that kind of accountability, especially in, in the leadership where there are checks and balances for the leadership, that it creates a safer environment where people feel like they have ownership of the work that they're doing. Like they feel like this is a ministry that, that, that I'm doing and I, th- they feel empowered to, to, to do the kind of ministry work that they're doing. Um, and they feel a sense of ownership, like 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 a couple of times because I because I edit these after we uh, after we do them and I post them online. So I, I I hear the conversations again a second time, and when when we talk about read to succeed, like there's this like sense of pride, not in a bad way, but I mean like in in an, in an excited way that Carissa has because <laughs> she felt like she was running this program. She had this sense of ownership. She's like, we were doing this really neat ministry for a while. And, you know, it didn't, it, it didn't continue, but that while it was going, there was something there. And, you know, that's, that's an incredible gift to be able to, 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 you know, and that was just a thing that you, I think it was no, you. It was her, was her it Jenny? It. Yeah. Jenny started where you just came to me and said, I have this idea. I was like, well then let's, let's try to get behind that. Let's, let's see, let, let's see where it goes. And, you know, we started having those conversations and, mm-hmm. and rolling things out and, I like that sense that people can just share those ideas together and then we can we can discern together where the Holy Spirit is leading us and what is God doing in our context and we can get behind that and we can engage with it in that way. I think there's sort of a dynamic tension there mm-hmm. between the hierarchy, accountability, and mutuality. Or, mm-hmm. And so we inherited, from my background, inherited a lot of things from... Anglicans, mm-hmm. and so a lot of structure, and 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 in a lot of these spontaneous movements overseas, where you know, whole movements of people coming to faith, uh, they look for structure, mm-hmm. and they're happy to find somebody that has a book of discipline. I don't know what you call yours, but right? You know, mm-hmm. we have the, and they see that, and they just, you know, there's doctrinal statements, there's organizational statements, there. Mm-hmm. So there is value. So, you know, I, you can't help but reflect about a lot of stuff. But one of the happiest experiences I had was a was a mutuality of in a community mm-hmm. and seeing lots of growth. Meeting every week with a group mm-hmm. and seeing just exciting things happening. But as soon as we set up our annual conference, it stopped dead in the water. Huh. I mean, there was this desire to be on a committee, mm-hmm. or for a position, or for an election, and so there's that, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which is unfortunate. I think probably he's speaking to some of that, right? Uh, and how do, you, uh, yeah? I think when we lose the spirit, we we get uh, crusty, <laughs> uh-huh. and crusted with all kinds of stuff. But we have to have structure. Right.
So, yeah, it's a tension. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it has a lot to do with leadership still, allowing that, mm-hmm. right? Right. What do you think it looks like to recognize leadership and then encourage that in people? <laughs> Are you asking me? Mm-hmm. I mean, anybody can answer, yeah. but I mean, just like following up with that, but you know, because it's because there is still a need for leadership, and I think that that's, yeah. I think that even you know that that's that that's a that, that's it's not just practical; well, it's biblical. I think going back to Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, because he put an upside down kind of uh, standards for leadership, right? And reducing church to to the basics of what Jesus said we must do. Mm-hmm. And realizing when we add things on because of our culture and whatnot, but realizing that those aren't the most important. Mm-hmm. You know, you talked about the Methodist movement, so that was a spontaneous kind of sharing, mm-hmm. but they get very uh, structured, right? Very structured, very quickly. And yeah. Yep, it just keeps happening. <laughs> and I suppose at the local level, mm-hmm. how do you break that? down to mm-hmm. what anyway yeah well because you know if, if, at, at the, the the level that we are when when people come here and bring an offering they're not just giving an offering to the Lord they're giving an offering to the community and so there's a there's a trust and a responsibility that's that's given to the leadership to say we have funds at our disposal and we need to be um, judicious about the way that we invest those resources we need to make sure that we are that we are shepherding the things that are entrusted to us in any in a helpful way and and also there you know as as a church in america there are liability issues and there there are there are laws and regulations that have to be followed and so all of that like necessitates as soon as there's a church there has to be some kind of a you know a structure somebody's got to be you know authorized to sign checks and somebody's got to be you know that they're you know how do you how do you license the business and all of those kind of things that you know normally when we're thinking about well you know like if it was a house church you wouldn't necessarily think about it in those terms maybe but but yeah, even just at a very practical level, there has to be some kind of organization. Yeah. But I'm wondering about what does it look like for us in the midst of the organization that we do have to recognize leadership in people and then to encourage that or to draw to, to draw out those kinds of the, those kinds of leaders. Maybe how has that worked for us at St. Aidan's or so, what could that look like? I don't know if this counts. But I'm thinking about with Jenny and the Deacon thing. Like, mm-hmm. I know people, like, I would say it, Jeremiah would say it, I don't know who all said it, Charlie, mm-hmm. I don't know, kept telling Jenny, like, you you should be a deacon. Like, you, you got the spiritual, like, spiritual direction gift. You've got different giftings, like, you know, and kept encouraging her in that way before she even started applying to be a deacon. Mm-hmm. So, that was one thing that kept coming, like, during this talk. Like, mm-hmm one way that I've seen it. No, she's a deacon. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's come full circle. I had a priest who was uh, a mentor for me, and he said that when you want to look at the people that you're going to consider elevating into leadership, begin with the people who show up when the doors are open and who walk out as you lock up. And then move from there. Not in the sense that like people don't have anything else to do with their time and they're just clingy, but like who are the people who are showing up 
when when things are happening? Who are the people who are who are there picking up programs after the service? Who are the people who see that something needs to be done? Because when you see that that service that doesn't have an ulterior motive, you say there's something the the Holy Spirit's at work in this person's life in a unique way because they are engaging in acts of service ahead of time. You know, when people come to me and they say, Lee, I've got this idea for a ministry, like immediately my antenna go up and I go, Oh, Oh, do you now? Okay, well, let's talk about this. Let's talk about what that could look like. Whereas, you know, in, in, in other contexts, uh, you know, you might come to somebody and, and, and say, well, I, I feel like, you know, you should, you've been teaching this Bible study for a while, so let's make you a pastor. I'm like, well, but maybe that's not your gifting, right? May, that may not be your fivefold gifting. It may not be that you're, you're called to be a pastor in a church. Maybe what we need to do is to find ways of equipping you in teaching more, or maybe you need to teach more broadly, or maybe we can like invest in resources for you to uh, to, to further your abilities as a teacher. You know, can we send you to, to conferences or trainings? Can we can we get resources into your hands so that you can draw off of those rather than just saying the only way that we know how to talk about leadership is to put you in the ordination track and shoot you off into the system. And I think for a lot of a lot of times, especially in Anglican churches that are hierarchical, that's the only way that we can conceive of it. We're like, oh, well, this person is a leader in the church, so they have to, they, they need to be ordained. Like, well, no. Ordination is good, but it's only one way of serving in the church. And look at all of these other ways of serving in the church. And what happens, I think, is what he describes, where you end up with this, with this top-down hierarchy where, where deacons are like priests in training, and then priests are okay because they're they're in charge of churches but really when they're when they're worthwhile people they'll become bishops and like we have this we would never say it that way but it's kind of there in the way that we talk and in the way that we structure events and in the way that we the the way that we do things as anglicans often says that without saying it right like to tell me that tell me that you're a patriarchal hierarchical church without telling me right it's it's sort of like that like it looks like this oh okay well now i know what's going on but what if we distilled that down and we said what does it look like for us to equip people to be equipping what does it look like for us to recognize those giftings to, to say this person has has the the giftings of of an evangelist and i want them to grow in that and it may not look like a traditional way of doing evangelism or maybe the, you know the same thing for a pastor maybe this person has no desire to get behind a pulpit ever in their entire life and yet what they do constantly is sit with people who are hurting and pray for people who are broken and they 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 speak christ's words of healing over over people's lives and for us as Anglicans, we would just say, oh, well, you know, that's just, they, they have a healing gift, and we would sort of set it off to the side, and it's a thing. Rather than saying, what if we invested ourselves in that work that's happening? Because Jesus is there. If we see people engaging in leadership, it means that those people are being attentive to Christ's presence in that context. And if people in our congregation at St. Aidan's are being attentive to Christ's con being attentive to Christ's presence in their context, and we recognize that, then what we need to do is get with them because that's where Jesus is. Find those places where Jesus is at work and get involved in that. And it doesn't have to look like ordinary. Maybe it does. I don't know. You know, maybe Jenny's going to be a priest in a few years. I don't know. <laughs> it could happen. She might have those giftings. And we might say, we're going to get behind Jenny, and we're going to just invest all of our time and energy, and we're going to make that happen. It could happen. 
or it could be that that you know somebody else in the congregation comes up and says, "Well, you know, I would really like to, you know, start a, a dinner in in my in in my house." And we say, "Okay, well, let's do that. Let's see what that looks like." And it turns into this pastoral ministry. They don't want to be a priest. They don't want to be a deacon. They just want to have people in their home and share Christ's love with them around the table. Like we don't. It, I feel like we so we we so quickly rush to slap labels and 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 to brand things. We're like, "Oh, well, this is ours." You know, it's like we, we, we want to claim ownership of the things that the Holy Spirit is doing. I stop. Let's just invest our time and our energy in those places where the people at St. Aidan's are already seeing that. And for me, that's kind of like a kick in the pants because what I need to do is continually more and more encourage people to look for those places in their own lives. Rather than, rather than say, I'm going to tell you where Jesus is present and you guys go and get involved over there. You know, sometimes Jesus shows up on the doorstep and I need to mobilize everybody to get involved. Sometimes that happens. But more often, you guys are the ones that are face-to-face with Jesus at work in the community. And what I need to do is to start looking for those things and encouraging you to see that in that way so that when it happens, I've been paying attention to what the Holy Spirit is doing and I'm going where he's leading rather than where I think that the church should be leading or whether, you know, where the where the, the deacons and I think that the church should be headed. Rather say, where is it headed and how do we get involved in that? How do we, you know, invest our time and energy and resources in the things that God is actually doing, not like the, the image that we have of what it ought to look like? With one of the problems the church has in general is uh, equipping the wrong people oh well equipping the wrong people but equip the wrong equipment oh yeah these are the these are the equipment mm-hmm. equipping categories mm-hmm. and we create all kinds of categories <laughs> that we put people into yeah that's not part of equipping the church mm-hmm. how do we get out of that <laughs> right yeah that's what we, we have to get away from that it's like a corporate mentality, you know, where, yeah. where you, you start a corporation and you just, you know, everybody's got to have a job and a title and you just start, you know, handing those things out and then you've got to put, you know, and then it's, you know, it immediately devolves into, you know, middle management and all of this kind of stuff. And I'm like, that's, that's not what the Holy Spirit is doing. He doesn't, he's, he's not moving in that way. At least he's not moving in that way here. Maybe he does in other congregations and contexts. I don't know. I'm, I'm not there. Um, but I know that, like, as soon as we start slapping labels on people here, like, eventually they just, everybody's kind of bored and then they move on. But, but the things that, like, have emerged organically in the church, those are the things that will run for years and years. Um, you know, not forever, because I don't, I don't think that, you know, one kind of ministry just runs forever and ever. Maybe they do, but, you know, I think that there's a, a normal life cycle. But the things that, are, that, that, that have that sustained forward momentum are the things where people said, I saw this need, I want to do this, can the church come alongside me in it? And then something incredible happens there. I think there is an, an issue, I'm trying to remember, he pointed this out, I don't, I don't know that this, that this chapter is here, but he's talking about the, the giftings in the three circles, and he says, there's going to be times when an evangelist is needed at a house gathering. 
and sometimes uh, you know the the pastor is going to be needed at at a house gathering, and some each of these people is going to have a different role. But he says that the entire fivefold ministry is needed in every neighborhood, which in turn mobilizes all of the gifts among us. And it's essential for the kingdom of God to break out. This is essential for the kingdom of God to break out in our neighborhoods. Thus. Every dotted circle in the neighborhood should locate apostles and prophets and teachers and evangelists and pastors in their midst. And what I thought about when I read that is, I don't think that this is true at St. Aidan's, but it is true in churches that I've been a part of, where when somebody has a ministry idea, they bring it to the pastor and say, we think that you should do this. Right? I I have never had anybody come to me with a ministry idea where I felt like they were saying, hey Lee, I have this great idea for you to do from now on. Like nobody, I, I, don't, I don't have a sense that that's ever happened. At St. Aidan's people come and they say, I would like to do this thing, which I find immensely encouraging and I love to, to get behind that. But I have been in churches where that's the way that people bring, bring those things to the past. They're like, I think, you know what I think we should do? I think we should do this thing. Well, then go and do that. Oh, I don't want to do that. I want you to, you to do that or you to find people to do that. I just want to have the idea. You know? um, but it doesn't. It needs to be mobilizing everybody. And to follow up kind of what, what, what Jenny brought up, I started wondering, like, what does it look like in the in in the the half circle what does it look like at my table for for me to say my table needs to have all of these fivefold giftings at work and then the thing that i thought of is where are those giftings at work in the kids and how can we as adults recognize that and then bring them into places where they can be leaders i think maybe for me what's the struggle here is that concept of thinking of the kids in that way, mm-hmm. it's like the definitions of those five words to me are very narrow. Mm-hmm. And so it's mm-hmm. hard to like expand your <laughs> imagination enough to allow for mm. Ian to be one of these things. Right. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I think it's like how do we more, how, how can we expand the definition of these words? Mm-hmm. Or should we? I don't know. Yeah. Because one thing that I kept coming back to when reading this chapter was, so are those the only things people do? Right. Because if that's it, then some people don't do those things. Right. I don't think so. I think this is just about right. how leadership works, and and you know him him kind of saying there does have to be structure. Yeah. It may not be hierarchical, but right. there does have to be structure for, you know, for for the church to be on mission. There needs to be a structure to mission. Oh. So what the. Uh, so what I struggled with a little bit is uh, is a little bit about the expansion, mm-hmm. the, the whole idea that a, a missionary mm-hmm. in, in, is is someone who breaks into cross cultural um, context. Mm-hmm. And I've always understood the apostles. Apostolic is the breaking through into new contexts, new cultures. Um, and right. that takes a special mm-hmm. it's a gift. very different kind of gift. Uh, yeah. So uh, uh, so there's apostle, there's evangelist. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like even here, uh, it takes a special person probably to break into some communities, <coughs> mm-hmm. right? And that's what we're talking about children or right. different uh, abilities and uh-huh. disabilities and uh, communities that we somehow miss because mm-hmm. we may not have somebody 
or have not lifted somebody to reach out into mm -hmm. that. Uh, which was the early church, sort of right. sending out the apostle uh -huh. to, to hit the Gentiles. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, so right? that's and, what I And some of them work and some of them don't. Like there are some of them that, you know, the, the, the 70 apostles go out, or the 70 oh, disciples yeah. go out, and not all of them come back, uh, yeah. you know. So sometimes, sometimes it doesn't work when we, when we send out. But. Like Antioch. Mm -hmm. was where they recognized the giftings of this group and laid hands on them mm -hmm. and sent them. I would think there's that kind of uh, possibilities in everywhere. Like that maybe people need to be empowered, or maybe that's not the right word. What's the word that I'm thinking of? Like entrusted in, in different arenas. Like somebody may not be successful at starting a new ministry here at St. Aidan's because this isn't the right place for it, but if... But if we could plug them into the community where it is the right place, then that that the gospel would flourish in that context. Thank you for checking out Thin Places today. If you were blessed by your time with us and want to know more, check out anchor.fm forward slash thin dash places for more homilies, devotionals, and worship from St. Aidan's Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. And make sure to follow us and leave a comment, and join us again next time in common prayer, common worship, and common life. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Father is restored.